week two is in the books and some great teams playing some not so great football. Not a lot of great matchups out there, but definitely some interesting storylines as big teams struggle. Arkansas upsets TCU. That and so much more. You're listening to year two, episode eight of Pat's Interference. Hey there, everybody. Hope you were doing okay. We're going to get all up in your business with some Pats interference today. we got a great podcast for you. Uh, a lot of games to talk about. They weren't maybe the best slate of games, but there's a lot of things to take away from them, and that is pretty much the story of every week in college football. So I am joined by Patrick Norwood. I'm Patrick Rickman, but Norwood, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? Oh, we were just talking about positive vibes, and there's plenty of positive vibes to go around. I mean, I'm are. feeling rejuvenated there. after seeing Kanye West in Atlanta. On Monday, I'm I'm excited for you. I'm 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 pretty jealous. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think what I did Monday. I watched I watched Monday Night Football with some buddies. So that was good. Well, that's not bad. Nothing but, has ever been more life giving to me than being in the presence of Mr. West. Really? Oh my goodness! You're Easy married. Gives. Well, she's in bed. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I oh, mean, that's good. I felt so many things. Easy, easy. Just jumped over jump, man. I mean, it was the Snapchats you were sending me were pretty awesome. It was. It, I was saved the, the story. Was the just, stage was a, suspended was... over the crowd? Yeah, he's been doing that the entire tour, St. Pablo tour. They built a floating stage, and actually, it's really cool because, like, you know how most concerts you just got the stage, the people up at the front of the stage get the best view the whole time. And the other people in the standing room have pretty good spots. This stage moves across the entire standing area, the whole concert. So, like, if you were in the back, you know, you might not get to see flashing lights right up close. But then he's going to move over, and you're going, you're going to hear stronger right up there next to him. And we we had Kanye leading in to the podcast today. Oh, Con- do we? Oh, that was a good choice. I'm so glad you did that. Also, I did, but I don't, I don't think he, I don't think he played it. I don't think he would have heard it. It's drive slow. No, he didn't play that one, um, but that's still a good choice. And then, actually, this was the concert where somebody tried to climb up on the stage, and if you see the video, Kanye gets so mad at him. Nothing about that is surprising to me. It was funny. It was funny. It was not me. I wish it was me, but I was, uh, I'm as the poor, uh, you know, broadcaster I am, I really? could only afford upper deck seats in the Phillips Arena. That's the most, like, white person problem I think we've ever had on this podcast. <laughs> like, hey. Oh, my Kanye tickets a- weren't exactly where I wanted them to be. No, it was a lot of fun. I went with my brother. We had a good That's time. Good, I needed man. a day like that. Anyway, uh, we've been talking for about two and a half minutes about Connie. I could go on for two hours, but we got to get into some college football. We do. We do. Uh, not as many big games as week one brick, like you've written down on the docket here. Still plenty of takeaways. A lot of teams, ugh. You yeah, know, they got was... the They got the plane off the ground, and they landed it, but it's a little shaky. Hit some turbulence. Let's start off with Georgia versus Nichols. If you're a Last Chance U fan on Netflix, you'll remember. Ronald Ollie. Ronald Ollie. Nichols He was a guy you had to root for on there, by the way. Had to. Had to. He was not one of the ones. He wasn't one of the ones with the sour attitude. He was just one of the ones that had John Franklin the third. Messed up. He had this weird kind of strange messed up pass that kind of like hurt. I think he could have been playing for a better team than Nichols. How did he do? I didn't see any of his stats from it. Uh, I think he had a few tackles. Um, I, nothing impressive, um, but he's still young. Anyway, but Georgia, let's talk about not impressive. Well, okay, and let me start off by saying uh, Georgia beat him twenty six twenty four, a two point victory. And this isn't like a uh, one double A opponent, an FCS opponent that, um, like Appalachian State or Jacksonville State, that's like a, an upper tier, like a one through ten one of those. Nichols is number 93 out of like 120 uh, 1AA schools, FBS, FCS schools. I mean, they're, they've are they won five games, so nine games in the last five years. There Just was real, no real quick, Ronald Ollie had four tackles. Um, I, yeah, and, you know, Nick Chubb, I, he still averaged four yards a carry. Yes. But, but he had 20 of, carries for 80 yards. And if and you're Georgia. And most of that was like a 40-yard scamper. And you're trying to boast this great offensive line that's going to get a great push up front for Nick Chubb to maybe be in the Heisman conversation, getting him 80 yards against Nichols is not the way to do that. And a lot of that was due to the fact that they could not open up the run with the passing game with Jacob Easing because he no. looked uh, he didn't look completely lost, but he didn't look comfortable. I mean, and he definitely didn't look comfortable. He kind of hoped that he would look comfortable sure. at home against Nichols. He did not. 
I mean, well, I mean, how did he do that? What were, what were his stats that game? I've got him pulled up here. Let's go to that box score. I, uh, I Jacob just, is an 11 of 20, 204, uh, touchdown and an interception. Um, the stats look even a little bit better than he looked on the field. It's just a lot of late throws, a lot of third down conversions that, that he didn't get, and, and just really kind of kept Nichols in that game. A um, lot of a lot of happy feet from Jacob Eason. Drops back in the pocket. Kind of reminds me way of. To put it. Kind of reminds me of uh, early 2015. Jacob Coker drops back in the pocket, moves his feet, moves his feet, moves his feet, and he's not going anywhere. It's it's not you're not moving your feet to move around the football field. He's moving his feet because he's nervous because he thinks he's about to get sacked every two minutes. Um, and there was this feeling at the end of the third quarter that Georgia was running away with it. They were um they were up by 22, I want to say three scores, and then they gave up uh, a couple scores in a row to Nichols in the fourth. And they could really the the story of the game was in that fourth quarter when Georgia just wasn't able to put the nail in I mean they ended up winning but like okay so I just I don't I care less about the score like Georgia won what I want to focus on is what does this really mean I mean last week I was singing Georgia's praises after they looked very good against North Carolina I thought they'd only get better and then they have this dud of a game what does this tell us about this year's Bulldog team Brick I don't think that North Carolina is as good as maybe people are making them out to be um and I, I think it's time to sort of maybe not push in the panic button at Georgia a little bit, but you're definitely starting to eye it. You're conscious that it's there. Now, Georgia is 2-0. and I mean, you're the number – and the thing is, you go undefeated in the SEC, you're in the playoff. So yeah. Georgia's got to worry about winning every game. Do I think Georgia can do that? No. If they play the way they did the last two weeks against a team like Florida or Tennessee, they'll get run all over. Well, they still They'll get worry absolutely about Ole Miss. They got Tennessee. They got Florida. They got you know Auburn, Georgia Tech. Those are all uh, you know good to very good teams. Yeah, I'm not as worried about Georgia Tech because I think that's a dumpster fire that's trying to be put off with a water pistol or put yeah, out with a water pistol. It's just more pistol. of a rivalry game that they always kind of seem to play. Right. And sure. What I'm saying is they got a lot of good teams left on the. They got a lot of great teams left on the schedule, and I think Georgia's really got to start figuring some things out uh, before. Uh, they sort of get into the meat of their schedule. Patrick, let's move on a little bit. Going on to the Chippewas, beating up on the Cowboys with a controversial ending. What yeah, happened? The, the, the hail may, Okay, so the play should have never counted. Basically, right. it was some rule that they thought they were supposed to get an extra untimed down. The rule says, no, the game's over. I don't remember what led to that, but the play should not have existed. Yet was, on the play, they hit a Hail Mary lateral that wins them the game. No right. time left on the clock. Oklahoma State had an intentional grounding on fourth down. That's what it was. And the referee said, okay, then uh, Central Michigan gets one untimed down, which is incorrect. Incorrect. Uh, And then Central Michigan throws, some people called it an intentional hook and ladder. I'm not (laughs) sure about that. I, I feel like it was more of a... Panic! Oh God! Here's a lateral, and then they scored off of it. Either way, hey, it's a great heads-up play. Kudos, but that shouldn't have. I, and I'll, I'm interested to hear your take on this because, like, some people are going with the, well, it should have never been that close to begin with. I don't care about any of that noise. If you win the game, you know we we've seen the first two weeks of the season how hard wins are to come by. I, what I don't understand is why can't they just go? All right, this is an error, and let's just strike that last game for the record. The game ended in, in, in regulation. How, what is keeping us from doing that? I think, and I, I completely agree with you, I, I don't know what the problem is with that. We've had games like this in the past two or three years. We've had a handful of games like this uh, where it's, okay, well, the referees come out and admit they made a mistake that in turn gave the wrong team the victory. But, every, but, but I will say this, every single time this conversation is brought up, here's what people say. Where do you stop it? If well, you, here's, hold here's on, my mindset. hold on. Yeah. If you give Central Michigan this win, then what's to say you don't give, uh, I think it was Georgia Tech and somebody last year. Why not give Georgia Tech that win? Two years before that. I mean, it's just, it's there's always another game, and there's always going to be another team saying, well, well, now wait a minute, then why aren't we getting our win? If you can reverse this one, why not reverse ours? Well, here's, here's exactly where I draw that line. This wasn't a... You know, a, a a gray area pass interference call. This wasn't a gray area. Des caught it. Des didn't catch it. This was a black and white. A human or humans, being the refs, made this error. This is a human black and white. So let's use human common sense to just fix this. 
This wasn't, oh, they really shouldn't have called that pass interference, or, oh, that wasn't really a fumble. This was, oh, they added an extra play that shouldn't have counted. Right. Well, and it's it's pitiful, and I agree with you, but at the same time, and I know you can't really compare football and baseball. They're two, sport, two different sports. But in my mind, one of the biggest travesties to hit professional sports is the uh, act of replay in baseball. That's why that's why baseball is such a good life lesson. That's why a ton of dads, if not all dads in the United States who love sports, get their kids to play baseball. It teaches great life lessons. My dad said the exact same thing. He wrote a book about it. 30 life that's lessons my boys learned from baseball. But, you know, it's it's the human error. And you learn that you know what? Sometimes things are just unfair, and it sucks. And unfortunately, Again, but... you're a college football team, and right now if you're Oklahoma State, it just sucks. You know in your heart you didn't lose the game, but on the paper it says you lost it. But again, and that's horrible, you, but you got to move them on. This missing a strike call. This is them adding an extra strike after three strikes, and then he hits it out of the park because they gave him a fourth strike. Okay, then why not go back and reverse the, uh, the infamous fifth down play? That's, that was another one. I mean, if we're yeah, they could do that. And they should do that. But they they should do that is, after all this time. What? It, why is it? They should go why back is that twenty years why and reverse this, a game decision. I'm not saying they should, but like they should have back then, and they should do this now. Like, what is so hard and fast to go? Well, um, it's in the box score. We'd have to get out our our wideout, and <laughs> I mean, I, I I mean okay. Let me let me ask you from this perspective, and keep in mind, I agree with you partially. I think it's it's a horrible human error. I think it sucks, and I don't think it should have happened. But I also don't think they should necessarily reverse it. Because here's why. If you were a Central Michigan player, and let's say even the day after the game, hey, you know all that celebrating you did last night because we won that game, they're actually taking it away from us. But they knew What's your 30 reaction? minutes after this game ended. They knew less than 30 minutes after this game ended that that was a mistake. Okay. But that you, you still lost, haven't answered my they question, They lost the Patrick. game. They lost the game in regulation. That's, that's, you still haven't answered my question. Over... If you are a Chippewa, you're now 2-0. and oh, And then someone is coming up to you and saying, no, now you're 1-1. One one. Because you lost the game in regulation. I think it's... You're not, I think it's... You're not answering my question. You're just explaining what happened. Put yourself in the cleats of a Chippewa player. Tell me how you would feel if someone told you you won and then took it away from you. I would feel bad, but I still think it's a bigger travesty to tell Oklahoma State they lost when they really won than to tell someone they lost, or they yeah they lost when they really won. Than, it's a you know, crappy situation. Lost, they, they I won't I won't disagree with you with that. But the thing is, you can't. I I don't think you can go back now and just say, hey, no, you guys actually lost. I just think we kind of overthink the whole, well, we can't, you know, it's just, it's kind of too hard. Like, nah, no, they lost. They lost. Like, okay, let's be serious. Yeah. It's just, no, it's, I, I mean, I, it's tough, but like, I don't know. It is it's tough, just, and there's there's no clear answer. Because either way, you're screwing someone over colossally. Hell, give both teams the win. But Dez did catch it, for being honest. Oh, 100%. But that's also the NFL, so who cares? Hey, can I introduce this next game? It made me a little proud as an as an Alabamian. Absolutely, I'll let you take this one wholeheartedly, my friend. You know, my my phone number begins with the area code three three four. My boys from the three three four, the Troy Trojans, the true Trojans in America, the only losing by six to number two Clemson, which you have to be proud of if you're from the three three four. I don't care. They could have won the game. There's a lot of areas where they could have. Clemson only beat Troy by six, and that is a huge victory for us. Um, so, us <laughs> being begs, Troy. It begs the question, uh, Clemson lackluster against Auburn, even more lackluster against Troy. I think one thing we've learned is that this is not the same Clemson as last year. They've got their whole new sets of problems. Clemson's played all, uh, teams from Alabama their last three games. They have. They've struggled in all three games. Um, they lost a lot on their defense, and I think they're feeling that more than people are going to think that they were. Losing Shaq Lawson, Mackenzie Alexander, uh, and, and the rest of the players they had on that defense. Uh, they lost, what, eight guys on that, seven, eight that guys on that defense. Losing those guys has been more... Because what a lot of people were saying in the offseason was, well, they lost a lot of guys last year, and look how they reloaded. Yeah, but that doesn't happen every year. And I think we're kind of seeing that with Clemson. Troy shouldn't right. put up 24 on them. 
Yeah, well, and Troy's a great team, too. I think we kind of learned that. Uh, not a great team, per se, but they're, they're yeah, a pretty go that decent far. team. Troy's can be good on a Saturday, but they're like a 6-6 six and six team. Still, it's better than, what, last year's Troy, who went... Did they win four games last year? I don't remember. I don't keep up with them unless they're playing a ranked team and they're doing well. There you go. Defensive back university, though. Troy, Alabama. Two interceptions against your hopeful Heisman. Oh, we're calling him DBU over that? Hey. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, Deshaun Watson, 292 through the air, three touchdowns, but the two picks, and they weren't very good throws either. No, they were not. They were not. But, no, I, I like that Trojan team. I don't, I don't like you. I don't like you stepping on them. Six I just and six. know what they normally do. I know they haven't really had that big win. They just Troy, I believe in you. Close. BCS Bowl, here we come. BCS Bowl, there. Oh, yeah. You ask, oh, is Clemson overrated? Yes. 100% overrated. They, yeah. I I'm pulling the plug on Clemson. You're pulling the plug? I'm pulling the plug. They got well, a lot you, of time. You think that, you think that Clemson team is going to be Florida State? No, but I predicted that preseason. You think that Clemson team is going to be Louisville Saturday? We'll see what Louisville's got against FSU. Then I'll answer that question. I don't know. Uh, I'm not completely pulling the plug, but I'm not keeping them in my top five for now. I'm not. I'm not like pulling the The plug saying that they're going to. I'm not pulling the plug saying that they're no. You know, I'm pulling the plug on my hopes for them making it to the playoffs. That's what I should have said. Well, neither of us had them in there, but yeah, I'm. I'm even farther removed from from that as I was. Well, and you and I talked about it preseason too. Theoretically, I mean, obviously theoretically, but one through ten, you could make a strong argument preseason to make the playoffs. There's not really a strong argument for Clemson anymore. Oh yeah, they just gotta. They've got they've got uh, two weeks to figure it out before they face Louisville, and they've got uh, five weeks before they go to FSU. But I think one of the things that they're seeing this year, um, you know, Clemson snuck up on everybody last year. Nobody expected that. I mean, I picked them, but nobody expected them to, you know, come out as strong as they did last year. This right. year, the target's on their back. Every team they play is giving them their best shot. Even South Carolina State this weekend is going to give them their best shot. Georgia Tech, okay, so it's South Carolina State, Georgia Tech, then Louisville, Boston College, which is a win, NC State, and then FSU. Um, I mean, there's two games left on their schedule that I'm looking at going, you know, th- those those are games where I still am not favoring them right now. Right. And depending on what Louisville does this weekend, I don't know whether I'll favor them in two weeks. Uh, they haven't really played. We'll talk about Louisville in a little bit, but um, – We'll see, we'll see how they respond to a good defense, which will be FSU this weekend. Right. You wanted to talk about Florida-Kentucky next. Just for one reason. I only put one reason on there. Go for it. Uh, one of the things we've seen with Florida the last probably two or three years was that they play um, down to their competition. You know, they beat, barely beat FSU, barely beat Vanderbilt. And this was still a team that made the SEC championship last year, yet they kept playing down to their competition. I just am saying that the... A blowout of Kentucky just shows that 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 McElwain's finally getting a more confident team on the field. I want to move on from that. It's just it's important, you know, the SEC game. Let's go. Florida. Let's go to LSU. In a week where Georgia looks bad, Florida looks good. Let's go to LSU next, playing Jacksonville State. No Leonard Fournette. Uh, his injury is still sort of questionable, I guess. I, I think he's supposed to play this week. We're not I've hearing. We're not hearing yeah, a lot though. This week. Which, if I'm an NFL scout, this is raising some big red flags. But we'll get into that later in the season. LSU benches Brennan Harris, uh, what, about midway through the second quarter? Yeah, they were still either barely up or losing at that point. I don't remember if they were losing or I think it might have been like tied 6-6. It wouldn't, they weren't, they were still looking like a not-dominant uh, team. They make the switch, put in Danny Etling at quarterback. Patrick, you've got some background on Danny. I've got some background on Danny Etling. So Danny Etling, four-star prospect, he goes to Purdue. Um, he, he he played most of the end of his freshman season, and in the first beginning of 2014, he had kind of kept that, but he played bad. So they put in Austin Appleby to replace him. Well, Etling transfers, sits out. Appleby doesn't play well. He transfers to Florida, who he just lost out to Del. All this is... Del Rio at Florida. So all this is to say that he couldn't beat out Appleby, who couldn't beat out Del Rio. He's not a dynamic quarterback, but he is the, apparently the best answer they have. Uh, more of a, a, a duct tape on 
on a problem. They're just kind of duct taping it together right, right now with Edelman. I, I, well, and you don't always need a dynamic quarterback to win a championship. Remember. Well, we've seen that. We've seen that. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it, somebody at work the other day was talking to me about how LSU's done. LSU's over. LSU's done. You think LSU is done? Watch what happens if they win out. If they win out, they're in. They, they've got to be. Well, yeah, so they're not whatever. done. A four-point loss to Wisconsin doesn't knock you out the playoffs if you go undefeated in the SEC. Right. They'll be right back in there. Right. So I don't think they're done. I think, like you said, I think this is sort of a short-term fix, and I think they've got to figure something out, whether it's getting him more developed or sort of tailoring the playbook towards his game. Because you can kind of tell midway through that LSU game, while he was in there, I should say, they didn't really have a lot of plays drawn up for somebody like Danny Edling. Yeah, but I'm just kind of licking my chops at the thought of Alabama, Tennessee, and, uh, well, I don't know if they play Tennessee, but Texas A&M all going after Danny Edling. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Let's move on, and we're going we're gonna to skip over uh, – well, not skip over. We'll, we'll go back to it because it was my favorite game this weekend. But let's move on to the Tennessee-Virginia Tech game right now. Okay, let's do it. Uh, Bristol, Tennessee, I, here's the thing. I'm not, I'm not sure that's a great venue as far as being able to watch the game. Well, I can see the field as well as the people at the – from my desk right here, I can see it as well as the people in the stadium could. Still – at least they're trying. It was cool. It was cool. That game was a lot less about seeing the game as it was the tailgating and the atmosphere. I, I, I think it's, I mean, like, like we've talked about and like we just said, it's hard. It's a hard venue to really, but here's why I like it. At least the NCAA and these two teams are trying something new. And they're trying something. And look, did you not tune in the other day just to see what it would be like? I watched it. A lot of people We did. all did. We all did. 150,000 people there and broke the record? Heck yeah. We all wanted to see it. So I think it's a great idea there, and I like the location. It's between Knoxville and uh, uh, Blacksburg, right? I think they should keep doing it. I Yeah, sure. Why not? Or, or maybe try a different NASCAR place. I don't know. Just I liked, I liked the I, – I just – you know what? It wasn't my team. I'm not forking for the cash to go there. And it was kind of cool to sit on the couch and watch. And, and Tennessee and Virginia Tech clearly loved it. Yeah. So Tennessee you, fans have been talking about this game for two years. You ask if I like the venue? Yeah. Yeah, I like the venue. I, I, I think I think would. it's a great idea. I'm, I'm, in favor, I'm in favor of trying new things. I loved it a couple years ago when, uh, oh, it was North Carolina and somebody played basketball on the, uh, on the battleship. Oh, that was awesome. You remember that? That was awesome. So I'm all for things like that. I think that is a great idea. Um, maybe, hopefully this pushes the conversation to have football games in on the moon. more creative places. <laughs> um, okay, so the game started off slow for Tennessee. They actually were down 14 nothing. It looked like it was, you know, ooh, Tennessee's dead in the water. They come back, uh, they respond in a big way and score, I believe, the next, like, 28 points. Right. Um, something like that. A lot of points unanswered. And uh, they showed the strength that they can have um, they, they finally showed up i felt like and i felt yes. like they finally kind of got that attitude back and that sort of uh belief in themselves back uh we'll see so if they much, can carry that throughout this the season much do we respect tennessee do we respect them now as a threat to the sec again or do I, we just... I will i will uh, take you back to our last podcast when i told you not to count out tennessee just because they had a bad game against app state because app state runs that that weird triple option offense that Alabama struggled with in 2011. Arguably, you and I have talked about this, arguably the best Alabama team we've ever seen. Also, Miami's got them this weekend. So we'll see uh, We'll see how they do against Miami, too. If they yeah. can play close to Miami, I'll feel a lot better about Tennessee. Yeah. Um, Dobbs, he his stats were strange. He's clearly struggling passing the ball. He only had 91 yards. He did have three touchdowns. Though, so he was hitting the plays when he needed to. He's a great – how many times have we talked about this? You and I have talked about this almost, like, definitely the both Saturdays um, that college football has been going on uh, these past two weeks. And also, even before this, where are all the good quarterbacks going? Where are the pro-style quarterbacks going? Because I'm seeing a lot of great athletes. I'm seeing less and less good quarterbacks every week when I call, watch college football. The thing about Dobbs, though, is he's not presented to me, and every offseason is this, he's not presented to me as just, 
hey, he's the runner that throws a couple passes a game. If I'm watching, if they're giving me, trying to sell me on Dobbs, I'm watching Saturday morning cartoons. They're pa- they're showing uh, Josh Dobbs can do it all, everybody. He can throw the ball, he can run the That's ball. That's what passing. they say about everybody. I keep hearing his passing is improving. He's not Greg Ward. He's Josh Dobbs is what I keep hearing. And yet. But when you watch it, he is Greg Ward. Yeah. He overthrows wide open guys by 10 feet. He underthrows guys who are wide open on fly routes. He's great at scrambling and get, getting outside the pocket. He's great at throwing on the run, which are two awesome things if you're athletic and he's an athlete. But it's not great if you're supposed to be a pocket passer. Look, Jalen Hurts is, I'm sorry, you and I have talked about it. He's not a good quarterback. He's a fantastic athlete. Wait, we, we're going to call Jalen Hurts not a good quarterback yet? Right now, do you think he's a good quarterback? Well, no. I mean, he's a freshman, but I'm not, I, I, I think he's going to be a better passer than Dobbs is. We'll see. I, I don't think we're gonna. I don't think Alabama is gonna be having a uh, having a guy that can only hit about ninety one yards a game for the next three seasons. I mean, I I hope not, and I would like to agree with you, but da, or uh, excuse me, Hertz hasn't really shown me that he's going to be able to do that. I'm buying it. Um, and then uh, but he did also you know have a hundred six rushing yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he is, took which is the great. game over in a way. Yeah, uh, which is great because really he's an athlete. Well. I don't know. Defense I'm just awesome. my my big thing is where is the pro style quarterback going? <laughs> Name a pro style quarterback playing on a college football team right now. Oh boy, uh, pro style quarterback playing on a college football team. None of them. None of the good ones that we talk about every week. And there are there are pro style quarterbacks that can run the ball. There, there's a difference in that. Um. Like Jameis Winston was a pro style quarterback that was a good runner, but he ran a pro style offense. Name it, name it, Jameis Winston that we're seeing right now. Then I don't know. I haven't seen enough from their current quarterback. Who else runs? Uh, Austin Allen would be another one, but we'll see how good he ends up being. Brandon Allen was a good pro styler last year. Um, last year, second yeah. half of the year. I don't know. I mean, it's it's just, and that's what I mean when we were talking about last episode. I'm getting. Not tired of football. I'm weary of watching the same football game over and over again. That's another part of it. We're just seeing athletes playing quarterback. We're not seeing quarterbacks anymore. And they're, I mean, they're spread around everywhere. I mean, Luke Del Rio is a pro style, but we're talking about the dominant ones. You know, we thought Luke Falk might be that this year, be the guy that gets 500 yards a game. He's played like garbage the first two weeks of the season. Right. Um, so I'm just, I, and I'm not saying there's a problem with it. I'm just saying that it's, it's not what I'm used to, and to me, it's not football. It's not good football. But. Or not that it's not good football. It's just different. And you know how I feel about football and change in football. If it were up to me, everyone would run the ball 50 times a game. I feel stupid. Luke Falk has 898 passing yards right now. Eight touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, but his team is 0-2. Yeah. So. Well, he's throwing the ball. He's slinging it around, but his team ain't winning. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. That's I the just, be- that is genuinely the best. Sorry, sorry to go off on a tangent right there. But I, I just I'm trying to think of the last – quarterback that I saw where I thought, wow, that guy is going to be a great pro quarterback and one it depends day. depends on this offense. That, uh, well, I, you have to start with teams that run a pro style um, that take the ball under center. I mean, obviously the first one that comes to mind for me is Arkansas. Um, LSU does, but they haven't found a quarterback. Uh, FSU runs a multiple kind of um, pro Wisconsin. style, but their quarterback's a little too new for me to for me to say he's a good pro style quarterback. Um, Deshaun Kaiser. There we go. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a good answer. That's a good answer. But it took me a minute. I asked still. you I asked you that question four minutes ago. We <laughs> thought of one in the past four minutes. And he almost wasn't even the starter this season. Well years ago we used to be able to go Sam Bradford, Colt McCoy, Lynette Liner, you know? But Andrew Luck. Yeah, Andrew Luck. And you know, years ago it was you'd have mostly pro style and then like a few Vince Youngs. Gunner Keel. <laughs> don't make me laugh. Do you, okay, you want to know something funny? I was just watching the Houston Cincinnati game. He so is I. he is third on their death chart right now. Yes, it's it's ridiculous. That that'd be a good uh, podcast after the season. Just, I mean, rivals does this every year. And we've talked about doing an Alabama version of where are they now, but also like hyped up recruits that we used to know about as Alabama fans, like a Gunner Keel that we thought was going to revive LSU. Yeah, did not happen. Um, Hey, let's move to the best game of the week. Best game of the weekend. It could be up for best game of the college football season. Obviously, it's it's early, but right now it's by far the best game. But this was good. Uh, 
Arkansas TCU. Arkansas goes upsets TCU 41-38. This game was back and forth all game. I don't know how much of it you got to see. I watched um, the end of the fourth quarter and all of overtime, but I got to it late. The the end of the fourth quarter was phenomenal. The uh, double reverse pass to go for two for Arkansas to force overtime was not only a brilliant coaching move, borderline but erotic. perfectly executed. Borderline erotic, Burt Bielema. You cannot say that. I'm just quoting the guy. If we're going to bring up Brett Bielema and a great play, you have to use every podcast, every college football podcast. They usually have the soundbite of him saying it. If we start using soundbites one day, that will be on our soundboard. Borderline erotic. Oh, my God. It's classic Bielema. Anyway, the rule the rule of thumb from this is don't you ever take Arkansas to overtime or they're going to beat you. Whether it takes one or five, they will beat you. Yeah. They beat Auburn last year in overtime. Thank goodness they beat Ole Miss last year in overtime. And let's not forget the seven-overtime game they played in 2003 when they beat, a, like, a, I don't remember who it was, Kentucky or something like that. Yeah. I, I mean, anyway. it's Arkansas is a weird – I was talking to you the other night about it. We were on the phone uh, right when that Arkansas game was headed to overtime, and I asked you who in their right mind would take the Arkansas job because where do you recruit from? They they always seem to have kind of good teams, and then a couple years ago they had a really good team that was yeah. legitimately number three in the country. But that sure. was with uh, that was with Petrino. Um, well, and they but, had that year that they were they had Darren McFadden and Felix Jones, and that was a pretty good team. But hey, still, meh. Nothing wrong with Arkansas. I can I can live with some Arkansas, and you know they always uh, they always seem to have a they're always a team I'm kind of nervous to play, and and they gotta have you have to respect Arkansas for that. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. But I'm still I'm asking you who would take that job. Uh, I'd take that job over a lot of other jobs. Maybe. Maybe if you've got a choice to go anywhere, though. Oh well, that's unfair. I don't know. I I just it's it's a tough and my main thing with Arkansas is just the recruiting ground. Uh, they get a lot of the Texas guys that either don't want to stay in Texas or. Don't get pulled by Saban or Les Miles. Yeah, kind of. They get they get some Texas guys. They get some Oklahoma guys. I mean, there are worse places to recruit than Arkansas. I mean, you, you're, it's not like you're trying to pull guys in Massachusetts. Um, well, you don't you don't exactly. have you don't have SEC competition in Massachusetts. It's not exactly a hotbed, but well, you got at this point in the game, you got SEC competition everywhere, and Ohio State and Michigan. Take over the I world. I don't know that there's any place in the in the country at this point that has not been permeated by the SEC in some way, or Michigan, or Ohio State, Midwest, or the Florida maybe? teams. Maybe, but Ohio State seems to pull a lot of those guys sometimes. And then you got Oregon. Everybody just goes to Oregon if you're in the Midwest. Yeah, pretty much. And there are worse places to try to recruit. But anyway, no, there's just something. Well, to be Ohio said about State, the guts and Michigan, obviously, but that Arkansas always shows. Um, and usually they're not an early season team, but hey, look at them. They're 2-0. and Usually they're an October-November team. Yeah. In fact, they're deadly when you get to October. It's like they're a snowball. But um, 41-38, that was the game of the week. And uh, well, let's move on to kind of doing some, some – we've called them hot takes in the past. Hot so takes. Kind of but we're going to spend a little bit more time than normally on hot takes. We, but we're just going to pick the games. Uh, first one, ESPN's game of the week, it's – Technically, in my opinion, not the game of the week because Fox got Ohio State and Oklahoma. But FSU, Louisville, number two versus number ten. Uh, how you feeling about that game? I don't know, honestly. I, I, I think this is – obviously it's the first big test for uh, Louisville, but I also think it's probably going to be the first big test for Florida State as well. So you're not calling Ole Miss a test? Not really. The team that I'm kind of nervous about Alabama playing this weekend. I'm kind of nervous about it too, but I, I – well, that's a good point. It's not that it's their first – it's their first in-conference test, I should say. Road test, because essentially Ole Miss was a home game. Yeah, but That stadium still, was 85% FSU, if not more. Still, Florida State, it's the same situation as LSU. Even if Florida State loses that game to Ole Miss, if they win out, they're, yeah. it, it's hard to leave them out of the playoffs. FSU so, can't afford to lose this game. Right. Um, that's, that's my Clemson's point. Clemson's the one that they've got to circle. Yeah. I, I still feel like Louisville will drop at least two games this year. Um, but anyway – my thing with FSU this week is Dalvin – not Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook's playing a little banged up, but Derwin James, their best defensive player, he's, he's out for five to seven weeks. He tore his meniscus, had surgery on Wednesday. Um, 
and Josh Sweat, their five-star recruit that's been seeing a lot of playing time and has really been coming onto the scene. Um, guy that chose FSU over Ohio State, Alabama. He's out. Um, and without the best player on the back end of that secondary and seeing the way that Chad Kelly was able to torch them in the first half, I think Louisville is going to be able to put together a more full game plan. And I'm afraid of what Lamar Jackson, who has, what, 1,200 yards and 13 touchdowns in six quarters so far this year. Um, I think – sorry to interrupt you. I, I think the key to this game for Florida State is for Dalvin Cook and Florida State's offense to dictate the pace of the game. Yes, you're 100% right. Because if, Dalvin, if they can get Dalvin Cook running downhill and suck five or six minutes off the clock, even if you don't score, that takes – I mean – it's, it's something that uh, when Alabama played, oh gosh, who was it? Uh, the guru of go was the 30 for 30, ULM. Uh, when Alabama played ULM, I think it was in, sometime in the 80s, in the uh, Sweet 16, Alabama's entire game plan was, because ULM ran this fast break offense that would just tear it down the court. They were putting up like 135 points a game. The record for points per game still stands for that team. Uh, by like, I mean, the second place team is in like, I mean, it's, it's you know, 20 points behind. But Alabama's entire mantra, and they ended up losing the game, was they can't score if they don't have the ball. And I think if you're Florida State, that's how you've got to look at this game. That's the old Alabama. That's the way Alabama used to do it, uh, you know, three years ago, back in 2012. Is if they got a if Texas A&M is going to try to manzel it and, and Mike Evans it up and down the field, then we're yeah. going to... The good old so, days. The problem is their offense has been very similar to Bama's this year in the way that they're they're they've got a young quarterback that's doing pretty well in his first couple starts, but their offensive line is doing nobody favors. Running nobody, backs can't get going. Then again, Luckily, if, they have an all-world running back in Cook compared to uh, what some other teams have, but they're having trouble getting them going, man. Yeah, and I, I think that uh, – I'm not sure I'm really concerned with Louisville's defensive line yet either. No, I'm just concerned about – I mean, their defense has been okay, but we haven't seen them play a, a solid team yet or a solid offense. I'm just concerned. I think Lamar Jackson, regardless of who he's played, has showed us that he's a player on the national stage, whether or not his team does well at the end of the season or not. And this is this just feels like the trap game on FSU's schedule. We all know what that we're looking forward to Clemson. This feels like the the, the road game. It's going to be a 12 o'clock kickoff. Right. Um, it just feels like that. Houston game kind of felt last year in the yeah, ball game. Yeah, for sure. Let's move on. Let's, I don't want to spend too much time on this next game. Who are you game. picking? Who are you picking? For that I'm game, Florida for... State. Me too. I'm still I'm still sticking with the Nolans. I'm taking I'm Florida State by, by ten. Three. I'm still I'm keeping it close. Okay, Oregon at Nebraska. Uh, I'm gonna go Oregon pretty pretty heavy handedly here. I, I'm I'm gonna do the same. I think this Oregon team is gonna sneak up on a lot of people this year. Prukops look good at quarterback. Their grad transfer. Um. And, and and that's really all they're going to need to beat Nebraska, who I just have not had much faith in the last five or six years. Alabama and Ole Miss, you've got on here. Uh, we threw it on here because it's a game of the week. I know we, we do the Alabama game, but we'll talk about them in a national sense here. Okay, go for it. I'm taking uh, I'm taking Alabama. Um, I'm, I'll be at this game, and uh, it just is really going to come down to how Alabama can limit the big plays for Ole Miss, and if their offensive line can can give the true freshman enough time to feel at least a little bit comfortable in his first true road game. I think that Alabama is, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, uh, those are some guys that have now gone through school. They're at the tail end of their careers, and they haven't beat Ole Miss yet. Yeah. And I think that's a huge problem for guys like Tim Williams, for guys like Eddie Jackson, for guys like Jonathan Allen, who, yeah, they've got championship rings, but there will always be that little asterisk, and that little asterisk, is the Ole Miss Rebels. So if they, they can erase that deficit this. and they can erase that little asterisk, I think they'll feel a lot better. So I think people are focusing a little bit too much on Alabama's offense and not enough on Alabama's defense versus Ole Miss's offense. They Let's, haven't won an Ernest Hemingway since Trent Richardson's best run of his career. Right. Texas A&M at Auburn. Oh, see, weirdly enough, this game is at Auburn, and Auburn is favored in this game. I, and I'm okay with that, especially with the way that Auburn played against Clemson. Now, we've already said that Clemson's underrated, which begs the question, is Texas A&M overrated or underrated? And I think they that's something that UCLA this will be... destroyed whoever they played last week. I think that this will be a nice barometer for Texas A&M to see where they stand. Both teams, honestly. Sure. But Texas A&M has one quarterback, whereas Auburn has three. Not necessarily a good thing. Who are you taking? I'm taking Texas A&M by about 14. 
Samesies. Okay, I love it. Mississippi State at LSU. Oof. Uh, game at LSU, i got to go with the home team, but I'm not feeling great about it. I, see, I am feeling great about it. I think LSU's got a new quarterback. I think they've got some more energy. I think if they get Leonard Fournette back healthy this week, that game is going to be an absolute destruction uh, because I think LSU's finally going to feel like they've got the pieces all together. I did just forget the fact that Mississippi State lost to USA. I'm going to say I'm I'm not going to say I'm feeling great about it. I'm say I'm feeling I'm feeling neutral. I'm feeling kind of good. I've got LSU, LSU by 13. By 17. I like it. Michigan State at Notre Dame. Oof. Michigan State's uh, higher ranked, but I'm going Notre Dame. I'm, I'm going Notre Dame and South Bend, especially uh, especially with Kaiser um, taking the we snaps. Both, from we both center. love Kaiser. We got to come up with a nickname for him, other than uh, Kaiser Soze, who, which I think is perfect. I'm going with Notre Dame because of Kaiser Soze. I'm going with Notre Dame because of the Kaiser, which in German, because you know German was my minor, means emperor. Yes. So I've got to go with Notre Dame by ten. All right, so Georgia played horrible against Nichols. Uh, Missouri's played not super inspiring, but better than Miss- the Missouri of last Miss- year. Missouri's so. played horrible all season, so I'm going Georgia by 17. I'll go, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say I'll say. You and I both know that well. Kirby Smart has the ability to light a fire under a team that's underperformed. Yes, because he's learned that from the best. He has, but he also did it with his own defense. Ohio State-Oklahoma, what I think should be the game of the week and possibly one of the games of the year if Oklahoma hadn't lost, but uh, they're going on the road to Oklahoma where we know Oklahoma is always incredibly tough. Uh, They're actually one of the best home teams in the history of college football, if not the best, and it doesn't matter when or how good they've played in the past. When they're at Oklahoma, they always play well. Who you got? Ohio State by 21. Oh, Oh, wow. I've got. A, I, I don't even kidding. think it's I'm kidding. Be I'm kidding. Close. I'm going Ohio School. Ohio State. I think currently is the best team in the country until Alabama figures out more on their offense. I agree. Um, Ohio State's going to win this one. Uh, two scores. I, I I've got to I've got to say that they're just going to. I just don't see a situation. And maybe I'm. You know what? I will say 17 because Oklahoma is going to be at home. But even at the same time, the way that Oklahoma has looked starting out the season is just so pitiful. How'd they do last week? I didn't pay any attention to them. They, they kind of they bounced, went out of my mind. They bounced back, but I, I can't even remember who they were. I think they were playing Wofford or somebody. Um, maybe that Lamar. Was, that was Ole Miss, but I'm looking it up just for the sake. I, you can I believe Oklahoma game. might have been playing Lamar then. Oh, La Monroe, 59-17. That's who it was, yes. Um, yeah, no. Well, I knew it was LAM. I was close. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I, I think Ohio State's really going to whoop up on Oklahoma. I don't think Oklahoma's defense is going to have enough answers for all the weapons on Ohio State's offense. Uh, USC at Stanford, that'll be the West Coast game that none of us are going to stay up late enough to watch, apparently. that's the that I'll definitely watch it, but that's kind of the stereotype that us here on, on the East Coast get. Um, USC, Stanford. Uh, USC, I don't think, will look as bad as they did against um, Alabama, but I still don't see them doing this at home. Yeah. Or on the road, I'm, I'm sorry, at in, in Stanford. And uh, I think Chris McCaffrey has another sta- standout game, and I think Stanford wins this one probably easier than Georgia beats Missouri. Yeah, I, I think uh, – I don't know if Christian McCaffrey will really go off, but I think this is going to be a game where USC really has to take another step back um, and kind of look at their program not just from a this season perspective, but from the program as a whole perspective. Something interesting that I want to bring up with you right quick before we get into our sound offs, just about USC. Uh, and I heard a discussion like this about Penn State as well. Teams that get large NCAA sanctions where people say, oh, well, that was, you know, eight years ago. That was six years ago. That was 10 years ago. Why is it? Why have they not bounced back yet? Because you got to keep in mind that that, in my opinion, those teams like USC and Penn State, yes, the sanctions came out uh, that many years ago, but it's just now starting to affect the programs fully. Because now you're starting to get recruits that say, oh, well, I don't want to go to Penn State because Lord knows that they're going to get another sanction, or I don't want to go to USC because Lord knows that they're going to get another sanction. So it really takes some time to repair that, or maybe even have high school kids just completely forget that those things happened. Also, I think we're just kind of learning that USC, uh, I think Pete Carroll had a lot to do with that success, and now he's not there, and they've had trouble in the coaches they've had since then. They've just had middle-of-the-road coaches at best, and 
Now two of them are at Alabama. Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll, if he was still in college football, would be rivaling Urban Meyer and Nick Saban for best in the yeah, country. Yeah, I know? agree. So, Pete Carroll's that good. Look how quickly he turned around the lowly Seahawks. Yeah, who are not lowly anymore. No. Um, all right, so we're going to move to our sound offs, and uh, you had a kind of a good vibe one. So I, I did, I first. did. Today at work, uh, part of my job is I get to I get to teach um, a bunch of kids about sports production and everything, and today was kind of my uh, go shake hands, kiss babies sort of uh, deal with a communication school where I would go and recruit kids to join this program. Uh, I was incredibly impressed with the kids that I met today. Uh, very professional. Um, very self-aware and aware of where they are in the scope of America in the job world. And uh, they're very, very ready and prepared uh, to leave school and either get a job or not have a job and go from there. Uh, I was very, very pleased, and I'm excited to see them start working for us in our program and see them graduate because I know you know this, but I don't know if anyone else knows this. I was thinking about going back and becoming a teacher going back to school getting my degree and becoming a teacher before i saw this job for high point you're uh, halfway i mean you're, you're you're in that happy 50 50 range That's i am be perfect i am I, i'm really really excited so uh meeting a bunch of the uh, students one-on-one meetings tomorrow and i'm really really excited about that i had a great day today so uh that's i'm i'm, I'm a little tired right now but that's where i'm at uh you know i i told them and i tell you all the time Two most contagious things in the world. Number two is negativity. Number one is positivity. These sound offs tonight are positive brick. We kind of touched on it. Your positive sound bite. Or sound uh, off, excuse me. Actually, mine's, mine's not. I mean, I'm very feeling very positive about my Kanye West experience. I'm very happy with it. It was it was the kind of bonding day I needed with my brother that I haven't had in a long time. Sure. It was, it was great. Well, him and I will remember that concert forever. So I'm going to start off positive by saying, it was a great experience, but I'm going to go to the next part because we've we've actually had a sound off. If you went back enough podcast where we uh, talked about how you know Kanye gets kind of a not a bad rap, but just he's he means something to okay he means something to his fans. He he does he's not just what the media makes him out to be, right? We've done that one before. What I don't know, what I didn't appreciate when I got back from this is, um, I went and I told everyone I was going, and everyone at the station knew I was going, and you know I was gone. I came back. I was only gone one day, and just like, well, you know how middle-aged people feel about Kanye West. The just the looks I got from people at work this week, the little, well, how was the Kanye West concert? That kind of thing that I kept getting. Mm-hmm. The, huh, did he do anything outrageous? <laughs> Kind of thing, and I was just like, "Yo, you know, no other." I don't like country music, right? But if I know that some one of them are going to a to a to a, a, a Dirks Bentley, Keith Urban, Kenny Chesney concert, I don't go. How was your Kenny Chesney concert? Did he take off his shirt and expose his abs and show you his five hundred dollar belt buckle, his three thousand dollar boots? I don't do that, and then sing about how you know poor people have have it rough. You know, everybody everybody has their thing, but, like, I enjoyed it. It was a great experience. I had fun bonding with my brother. Why does it immediately, when I walk in the door, have to become this big negative thing because he was mean to Taylor Swift one time, you know? Because Kanye suggested himself to that life, just like Miley Cyrus has. But everybody has. Every, everybody that's famous has. But you know what? There are people that are fans of all kinds of stuff, and I'm not going to make you feel like an idiot because you worship some guy that that – that sings about how tough it is for people on the country, and then he goes and gets in his private jet and flies away. That's a good point. It's just... Plus, he was actually... And you and I will talk about this later, and I might talk about this some other time, but we're running high on time here. Very, very inspirational concert. Not gonna lie. I, I, dude's got away with words. He's loyal. He's good to his fans. He doesn't do what he does for the people that hate him. He does what he does for the fans. And sure. you know, I we both love his music, and you'll hear that here in about in about a minute. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's he's a, he's he's a very creative guy. Uh, he is a borderline genius when it comes to musical production and musical arrangement. He is also a borderline sociopath when it comes to most everything else. I still feel like a lot of that's a front, but yes. See, I don't. I genuinely think that, like, there is mentally, some, like, 
something horribly wrong with him. Here's a here's a great video to go watch. Um, I'll extend this a little longer. A great video of just of just how socially aware he can be. This video was taken in 2003, where none of this was in the forefront that I'm about to mention. But he's talking about the uh, it's an interview with him, and he's talking about this this pressure that's put on rappers to to really uh, hate gay people and hate um, and hate you know any kind of transsexual person or anything like that. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it was a very common thing for rappers who were hanging out. You know, if you're wearing a if you're wearing a, a, some pink shoes, they go, "Those are gay." Like that was a put down. And Kanye, 2003, before anybody's really talking about this, is like, it, it, it was wonderful right, how how, right. how well spoken he was about it, and how it was really he was at odds with it with himself. Like, you know, I want I want gay people to listen to my music, and not just for the money, just because I have nothing against them. And like, I don't think, and it, it it took a lot for him to speak out against it and what it could mean to his reputation in the rap community for him to sit here and say, I like gay people when you're supposed to hate them. I think that's worth going back and watching for a lot of people that think that all he does, you know, it's, he's not the world's best person. I'm not here spreeching that, but like, I think a lot of what he's, the, 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 what he's been flanderized as is just a lot of it's been media created and a lot of it he does to ham it up and, and, and build this you know reputation so the people watch the, the gossip shows and he gets a little bit more notoriety from it maybe I also think back to the last time that I heard him outside of a show or a lyric say something that I thought wow that was actually kind of smart and I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank well, you'll think of it, and we'll talk about it on the next podcast. Because here's the thing. Like, I always go back to his BBC interview or his interview with Sway in the Morning on XM like a year or two ago, and he just went nuts. <laughs> like, you can't you can't take anything that's said on Sway. As go- oh, my gosh. What Sway about, is the most outlandish thing in the what world. What about his 58-and-a-half-minute rant on BBC where midway through the interview they're not even sure what he's talking about anymore? It's not even making coherent sense. I love it. I just don't I've think it's fun. It, but... I, 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 you know how much I like him. Because I think he's one of the most entertaining people on the planet. And like I said, musically, he is a borderline genius. But I do think but he's if, a psychopath. But if you go, yeah, but if you go to his concert, you don't need to get these weird looks. I agree. Every, oh, every, no. Every, no way. Every, every, every popular musician is, is, is so full of themselves. You give me one that isn't. Can and we I, just, give you a, can I give we, you a million that are. Can we talk about, like, 80s rock bands would wear makeup and, like, Black Sabbath bit heads off bats and stuff? Yeah. And, like, it was a big deal, but, like, nobody really thought of it that way, you know? Like, it was just, oh, well, that's what they did. Anyway, that's I'm, Pat's I'm going, I'm going no further with the implications of what it means if a rapper does it. I'm going no further with that. Year 2, Episode 8 of Pat's Interference is in the book. We hope you liked it. We're all over social media, on Twitter at PI underscore podcast, on Facebook at Pat's Interference, that's B-A-T apostrophe S Interference, patsinterference.com. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure if you went if you went on AIM right now, we would be there. Screen name, Pat's Interference. Thanks for listening, everybody. Roll Tide.